bring our children into the world and, and, and raise them to, to, to exhibit our values and our morals. But when we come and, and we instill upon them the, the desires to serve a living God, that they would not have to suffer the, the, the ills that, that come with uh, no guidance, no direction in life, wondering always, you know, who cares about me? God saves us from all that, and, and, and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, well, while I'm talking, if you have your Bibles and want to turn, I'm, I'm going to start reading at Luke 13. My children are almost raised. The, uh, the time for me, as far as having any greater influence upon them, is, is just about over. My son is 17, and, and in a short time he'll, he'll go off into the world and, and, and make his way, and one day I'm sure he'll find a young woman, and they'll have their family, and then it'll be his time, and it's, it's the cycle of life. But I'm so glad that I had a place that I could come. A place that loved the Word of God. And a pastor who was willing to take the stands that he takes and, and the charges that he makes, and, and he's willing to, to take the heat so that we can have a secure environment to raise our children and instill the Word of God. Because when the, when the world is shaking, when the world is going away, when the world is going in flames what's going to stand is the word of god and so i am so thankful for uh having a place that i can raise my family and having a place where people will will love me and and help me and and guide me and give me insight and wisdom in luke the 13th chapter verse starting with verse one and there was present at that season some that told him of the, of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all Galileans because they suffered such things? Verse 3, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye like shall all likewise perish. In Acts two thirty-seven through 39, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and, they, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I want to bring this thought to you. The following faith, repentance, compromises the first essential step in the plan of salvation. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I ask your blessings, Lord, upon this time together. Lord, as we, we gather here, Lord, to hear the Word of God, I, I ask that, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you would command every unclean and unholy and every demonic spirit to leave. We command these spirits to go in the name of Jesus, and we release your spirit to speak into this congregation this morning. I pray that, Lord, as I teach this morning, that, God, that your spirit would be upon me, and that the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost would loose my tongue and loose my thoughts and help me to teach this lesson I ask your blessings this morning, Lord, and I thank you for all that you've already done, for the prayers that you've already answered. I thank you for the needs that you've already met, and I thank you, God, that you are here in this place. I pray these things in the loving name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. It's funny how, how we, we, we become so uncomfortable sometimes that... Here it is at the changing of the seasons, and I guess it's supposed to be up in the 80s today, and I'm already sweating. I mean, I, the nice thing about it is, is it may be hot here, but it's hotter in hell. We're talking through a series of principles this quarter, and we're teaching on the, 
the basics. And, you know, we, uh, we, we, we heard an excellent message last week about the cross. We heard the message that the cross isn't just a, a piece of jewelry. It's, just, it's not something iconic that, that we just look to and say, oh, that's, that's got to do with the cross or that's got to do with Christ. And, 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 and we just move on. We look at the, the, the cross sometimes with, a, with an apathetic point of view because we've been so long sitting upon our pews. We've been so long hearing about the cross. We've been so long hearing about this gospel message that at times we actually turn a deaf ear to it. It's iconic in its sight. And yet it's a sight that people, a lot of people revile. It's a sight that people say it's too bloody. It's a sight that says, you know, that's a, that, that's a cruel thing that happened, but it has no place in today's society. There are so many people who want to take the cross out of our, our society. They want to take the Christ out of our society. And yet, I am so thankful for the cross. It's that blood that still flows today. It's that blood that still runs down that cross today that's still saving the sinner. It still has a poignant power to heal. It still has the power to save a man's soul from his deparations. There is nothing like the cross. And I'm so glad that I had the chance to experience it. We, we, we become so iconic so cliche in so many ways. We look at business today and if you were to come to my job and, and ask me about certain products, I would say, oh, that's a J-O-P-S-D or a J-C-H-S-G and, and I, I could rattle off some numbers. I've been doing this for a while. I could tell you what those products are. They're, just, they're, they're, just, they're buzzwords. They're, they're, they're just words that we know because we're so familiar with them. And, and even, even in, in, in a Christian walk, we, we have the same situation. Oh, I, I've been born again. WWJD, what would Jesus do? They're just words. They're, 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 they're iconic words that we use that uh, they've, they've, uh, they've become so shortened and so blasé in its use and so overused that there is no impression upon it. And so we have the word repentance. Oh yeah, I repented. And we, we, have, we have lost its, 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 its meaning. We have lost its place. We have lost its significance. It's just one step as, a, as if, if you were stepping through a door or you're, you're pushing down a window. It's just one thing I have to do. It's, it is not the, the action that bothers you or the word that bothers you. It's just the action of doing it. Right. An old preacher told a story that before he got saved, he had heard his wife praying one day. He had been rough on her and abused her, and she couldn't take it anymore. So she prayed, God save him or kill him. So he ran out to the barn law and called out to God for salvation because he knew that God answered her prayers. And he was afraid to die. Repentance. You know, dead people don't change or actually change a lot of things in their lives. Dead people don't care. Dead people lose weight. Dead people have dropped a lot of bad habits. Dead people are very, uh, very, very uh, easy to get along with, <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not making fun of those, uh, you know, who passed away. But God's word commands us to die to all of our sinful past. In First Corinthians fifteen thirty one, it says, "I protest by rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily." Repentance is the first act of faith. It includes such important elements as recognition of sin. When you come to a place of understanding 
when you come to a place of recognition, if you don't recognize who your Savior is, then there won't be a need to have the cross. There won't be a need to have the faith to, 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 to come to the cross. Recognition of sin. Recognition of sin is so hard because we think that our, our lives are so perfect sometimes. You know, it's easier to preach in a jail sometimes because there is no disguise for their sin. They sit in that jail cell and they know why they're there and they know that the accusation that, that, that is laid against them is right there and that one day they, that they're going to stand before a little judge standing right there and they're going to have to say, why did you do this? They don't pretend. But it, we in our fineries say, oh, my sin's not that bad. The recognition of sin is one of the greatest steps that we have to come to. Sometimes we end up in the bottom of the barrel. Or sometimes we end up in the worst desperate situations. I hope I'm making somebody uncomfortable this morning. Recognition of sin is one of the hardest steps to come to. I used to teach a Sunday school lesson using John Cook's materials, and one of the things that, it, that was, stuck with me was that the older a man or a woman gets, the harder it is for them to come to the cross. The older a man or woman gets, the harder it is for, to recognize that they've had such a, a sinful life. They become set in their ways and say, oh, I'll, I'll be all right. God's a loving God. But God is also a judgmental God. We forget that side of it. Recognition of sin has to come before there can come anything else. It's an act of faith. It's the act that says, I can't do it anymore myself. It's the act that says, I'm a lecherous man, a debaucherous man. It's a man I've, I'm, as a man, I've, I've gone the way of all men. The deprivations of my soul are more than I can stand. We'll never understand until we get to that point where that publican stood or kneeled and cried out and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. It's not an easy place to get. It's not an easy place to recognize. I don't, I, I, for every soul, it's different. For every heart, it's different. But everyone must reach that place. There must be a contrition to the idea that I'm guilty. The decision to forsake it. From the very early days, God has sought man to change his ways. From the very early days, God has sought man to, 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 to repent of his, 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 his debaucherous ways and, and to lay his soul before God that God may bless him. But man's deprivations have gotten to such a point that even at the very dawn of history, in Genesis 6, and 5 and 6, God repented in his heart that he'd even made man. It repented of the Lord that he had made man and on the earth. It grieved his heart. God said, what did I make? What have they done? Look at the way. I've not taught them that way. Man left to his own devices goes in every direction. Man left to his own ways will lead to destruction. Pride goeth before a fall. The very first time in the scriptures the word repent was used did not come to be the last. But I am so thankful in Genesis eight, 6 and 8 where it said that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in a place where there was no grace. Noah found grace in a place where everybody else was going their own way. Noah found grace 
when, when, when man was, was killing man and life was going on and, and, and they were marrying and giving in marriage and, and doing every licentious behavior that could be going forth, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. See, I can, I, can, I can attribute myself or I can recognize myself in that. I found grace in the eyes of God. There's not a thing that I could do. There's not a thing that I could say. There's not a, a, a way I could go. I'd already tried them. I'd, I've tried the drugs. I, I tried the alcohol. You know what it's like, Brother Louie, being inside that bar? You've experienced it. You, you know how other men sit there and they... They're either stoned out of their head or drunk on the stool. And but God showed me grace. Never in a million years could I, at that point, sit here and sit, sit there and say, I'll be teaching before a congregation one day. Never in a million years that I ever thought I'd go to a foreign country and, and preach this gospel message. When I was in the midst of my sins, God showed me. God sent a man to me to reach out to me. I'm thankful for that there are men and women today who are still willing to reach out to the souls of men. I'm thankful that there are men who are still willing to preach the gospel message that there's only one way to heaven. We need men of God. We need women of God who still can say God's way is still the right way. There is no other way that leads unto heaven. God's way is it. There is no other sacrifice for sin. It's not your goat. It's not your dog. It's not your horse. It's not your wife. It's still Jesus. I'm not being funny about it. Who, when trying to point, make a point about a subject, does not feel vindicated when the point of that uh, subject is, is proven to be true? Who does not feel vindicated that when we, whether we talk about politics or, or we, we, we talk about how, how to fix a certain part on your car or how to, how to wire your stereo system or even, <laughs> even how to fix your computer system? Um, that when you tell somebody that this is how you do it, and they do it, and it works, you feel vindicated, you feel right. God's Word is vindicated when a man will turn his life around in repentance. God's Word is vindicated when a man will take his problems and his burdens and put them on an altar, and he walks away a changed individual. God's word is vindicated when an alcoholic who has boozed his life away is suddenly changed in a moment of repentance. What a testimony of the power of God when a, when a, a man or a woman is changed. He, you know his lifestyle. You know his past. You know what kind of person he was. And he comes to an altar and he walks away a changed individual. God's word is vindicated. We can say the same about a drug addict, a child molester, a physical or verbal abuser who attacks his family. We can say the same about the depressed or a wayward man or anyone else who will call, about, who will call upon Jesus with a true heart to reaching out in repentance. You see, in the Scriptures, God calls us His righteousness. This is God's righteousness. In Romans 3 and 25, God who sent forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. God said they're past. When we put it under, by faith, the Scripture says when we put it under the blood, 
That's what repentance does. There has to be a price. You try to do it any other way, you're trying to pay a debt. A debt that cannot be paid. But it's through the kneeling or through the place when you come with a true heart and say, God, forgive me. God wipes it, through, through, wipes it out through the blood. And he says they are past. When Jesus called, called Lazarus out of the tomb in John eleven forty three, he came out of that tomb and he was still dressed in his grave, grave clothes. When, man, when God calls a man out of the world, He calls him out of the tomb of the dead. When God calls a man out of the, out of the world, He calls him out of, the, out, of, out, of, out of the trespasses of his sins. He's calling him out of the, the deadness of his ways. He calls him out of the tomb of oppression and darkness. He calls him out of a tomb of alcoholism. He calls him out of a tomb of loneliness. He calls him into his light of protection. First Peter two and nine. But ye have not. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, compute, a, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. But let us not forget that when I leave that tomb, when I walk out of that tomb, that tomb is not empty. Because when I walk out of that tomb, I leave my sins behind. We don't want to bring any of them with us. We don't want to bring any of them with us. Why do you want to carry something that's going to take you to hell? Why do you want to still drag along a chain that will leave you partly in the world and partly out of the world? My Bible tells me that if you are lukewarm, God's going to spill you out of your mouth. There are many tombs yet to be broken open. There are many men and women who have yet to call upon the name of the Lord and breed out, bring, bring, be brought out of the light into the light of Jesus Christ. John 9 and 4 says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is yet day. The night cometh when no man can work. How many men and women yet have not called upon the name of Jesus? There's so many yet who have heard this gospel message. It's, it's amazing here in, in, in what they call a postmodern society in America. We, we have so much. We have, we have all this technology. We have all the internet you can, you can possibly want and should want. We have the ability to send men to the moon and to live into space. We spend billions on entertainment. And in all that, none of it satisfies. It does not satisfy. There is just so much, so much to, 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 to take our attention away, so much to steal from the, from the voice that is reaching out to you and to me. I don't, I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know. I don't. When, when I prepare for these messages, I say, God, I don't, I don't know who's going to be there. But help me to preach to somebody who is there. I don't, I don't want anybody walking out of these doors without the opportunity, without the chance Without hearing the message that God is here to help you. God is here to save you. The, 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 the command of change does not fit this world's ideologies of live and let live. We, we, we live in a very, a, a very passive society that says, do whatever you want to do, just don't infringe your rights upon me. It's pathetic. 
It's pathetic that I, I, I look in the, you, you look in the world of politics and right now we've got three wars going on in America. I remember when the war started in, 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 a, in a place that does no longer exist called Macedonia. There was bombing. There was rampant and, 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 and um, such destruction. There was, there was wholesale murder going on. The... The, 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 the things that were happening, the, the, the people that were just being blatantly murdered because they were, were, were not of the right, a right people, ethnic people, thank you. And all that was going on. It was in the news every day. And the world just stood by and watched it. That's okay because they didn't want to impose their will upon you. We can, we can, we can talk about so much of, of the world's ideologies, but, but when it comes close to home, be careful where you walk. The world doesn't want you to impose a standard because if you, no matter how lax, how loose, how, how weak, impose a standard... Somebody's not going to make it. Somebody's not going to meet it. Somebody's not going to reach it. And so therefore they're condemned. And nobody wants to feel condemned. That's why we let everybody do what they want in their own eyesight. Except preach the gospel. We can't preach that Jesus said it's wrong to be a liar. We can't preach that it's wrong to be a homosexual. We can't preach that it's wrong to steal. We can't preach that Jesus still stays today, but we can tell how, 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 to, how to have an abortion. Don't, don't impose your morality on me, but I'm going to live a licentious lifestyle and a loose lifestyle, and, and when my child grows up to be an to, to, to a, 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 a evil person, you wonder, where did I go wrong? What, did, what, what happened that my child is such an, uh, an evil person? We talk about raising our children. I'm 50 years old. And uh, if I don't put morals in my, my, my children right now, what, what's going to happen when I'm an old man? I mean, we all know that there are a lot of, lot of older children come back and abuse their parents. It's important. Secular, secularism. I can, I can get a drink here. Secularism. It, it wants to thrust its own kind of intolerance against those who refuse to tolerate wickedness. It wants to use knowledge. It wants to use the, 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 the day and the age of, of what they call enlightenment to, to say that this is the way you should live. This is the way you should walk. This is the way you should talk. Modern society discriminates against those who walk and talk with any kind of morals. History itself teaches us that when a man is left to his own devices. It leads to a path of destruction. James talks about you seek and have not. You lust and receive not. You war and you, 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 you do it because of your lust. It, it all, it all the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all those things appeal to the flesh. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You think you got the, 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 the way to, to, to live a good life? You think that your way is best? Well, there's one that's better. And his name is Jesus. From the very beginning of the New Testament scriptures, we find 
the message of repentance being taught by John the Baptist. In Matthew 3 and 2 it says, Repent, for, for repent ye, for the kingdom of God in heaven is at hand. Jesus also give us the, gave us the command. Jesus said, I came to call, to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. All men have sinned, so, Jews, so Jesus actually came for the whole world. His statement points out that he will only save those who recognize their sin. If we do not recognize the fact that we are lost, Jesus is not going to make the attempt to save us. Jesus will not save us just because he's Jesus. Jesus isn't going to save you just because he's God. You make a step. You have to step out in faith. You have to believe that he died for your sins. You have to accept that as, 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 a, as a given that your ways are not his ways. His ways are, your, are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And without the recognition of the fact that Unless you take that step, unless you reach out, unless you call upon Him, you will die in your sins. That's a harsh thing, but that's the truth. You will die in your sins if you do not call upon the name of the Lord. You will die in your sins if you don't repent of them. It doesn't matter about your secret sin. It doesn't matter about your secret past. I certainly don't want to know about it. And I don't want to tell you about mine. But we've got to confess it. We've got to put it before God. You see, God, God's not interested in just our tears falling down our face and having an emotional drama. He wants to see a soul changed. It's, it's not just to come down here and say, Lord, I'm sorry, or even, even Lord, I'm sorry with tears. There has to be a changing. There has to be a turning away. Emotional drama is not going to get it done. You see, God looks upon the heart. When the apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and convicted the crowd and called out, they called out and said, what are we going to do? We're guilty of this man's blood. What are we going to do? The very first thing that Peter told them was to repent. To repent. You see, without repentance, baptism is just burying a living soul. Baptism has no effect. Without the faith and the fact that I've already been convicted of my sins, without the fact of contrition for those sins, without the fact of saying, Lord, I'm sorry for those sins, baptism ain't going to do you no good. Because the, the baptism, not only t- you take on the name of Jesus, but those sins are washed away. It ends the power of sin in your life. Because he does not die to the past, he shows no regret. And his active, he's still active in sin or has, still has active sin in his life. The old fleshly ways do not die and the carnal lifestyle is still an active lifestyle. So then what was the point of repentance? If sin is still active in our lives, then we haven't repented. If we don't die to the past and adhere to the power and the guidance of the Word of God, then how is God vindicated? You can say you're a Christian, but it's a lie if you go out and have your beer. You can say you're a Christian, and I, and I work with some who say they are Christian, and they'll cuss, and they'll, and, they'll, and they'll tell bad jokes, and they'll say a lot of things. I recently, there was a new employee that started working in, in, in my particular department, and at first, at the first glance, I thought, you know, he looks like maybe he's kind of godly. You know, he dressed nice, he looked nice, he acted nice, and and uh, so I I just I just waited. One day I was sitting at a at, at, in the break room, and I was sitting next to him, 
And he starts cussing and saying words that aren't right. And, and then I knew. See, you're going to know. You're going to know by your fruits. You're going to know whether you repent or not. You're going to know when somebody has really got the goods. Without repentance, one's heart does not welcome in the Holy Ghost. Because where sin is, God cannot abide. Because there is no cleansing of the heart. You see, today there are many who will preach the doctrines of good health and wealth and miracles and healings. They'll preach the doctrines of angels. They'll preach the doctrine of God's great love. But they neglect the issue that deals with the heart problem. And the only way to deal with that heart problem is to let it die upon an altar. To let it die at a place that says, God, I've made the mistake. I've made, the, I, I've made a terrible mistake of my life. Scripture says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All of us are spiritual paupers before God. But only those who recognize their poverty will God seek to, and find a heavy, heavenly place for. Morally good people and devoutly religious people find it difficult to repent because the Holy Ghost and, and receive the Holy Ghost because they do not recognize their great need and do not develop a sense of urgency that they are sinners. I can't tell you the number of times, and maybe some of you have heard me, when I'm down in the prayer room, and I'll ask God to forgive me of my sins. Because I'm constantly reminded of the scriptures of Paul that says I die daily. We must die. Every, every day we must die to this, 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 this carnal desire, this carnal flesh. Every day we have to be reminded that, that our ways are, 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 are evil before God. How can we enter into the presence of God with a heart full of anger or hatred or malice or envy or lust or murder or evil surmisings? How, how, do, how, do, how do we enter into the presence of God who is holy and loving? How do we enter into the presence of God when, 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 when all we have... is a deceitful heart. We shout, we jump, we laugh, we cry, we, we lift our hands. But what is the offering that we're offering to God if we have not repented? You love, there, there have been many sacrifices in the Old Testament that was brought before God that were not right. And God rejected them all. God wants a contrite heart. God wants a heart that says, I, I've made my mistakes. I've made my, 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 my mistakes, and, and I've, I've made a mess of my life. Many theologians list three necessary aspects of repentance. There has to be an intellectual change or a change of views. There has to be an emotional change or a change of feelings. And there has to be a volitional change or a change of purpose. Repentance can take place only when a man recognizes his sin. As touching the intellect, uh, in Matthew 21, 29, it says, And he answered and said, I will not, but afterward he repented and went. The word was used to, for repent means to change one's mind, thought, purpose, views regarding matters. It is to have another mind about a thing. So we, speak, so we may speak of it as a, a revolutionary thought, touching our attitudes and, re, and views towards sin and, and righteousness, this change is well illustrated in the actions of the prodigal son and in the well-known story of the Pharisees and the publicans. The Pharisee wanted to bring all that he, he thought was right with him. He wanted to bring his own righteousness. But it was that publican who smote his breast and said, I am a sinner. I am not a good man. As touching emotions in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you were sorrowed to repentance, that ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. The context shows that what a large part of the feelings played in the true gospel of repentance. When, when Paul wrote the letter saying you're doing wrong, it made him sorry that they would change their ways. It made him sorry to know that they, they had done something that was displeasing. The Greek word for repentance in this connection means to be care, to be a care to one afterwards, to cause one great concern, 
The Hebrew equivalent is even stronger. It means to pant, to sigh, and to moan, such as the publican. As touching the will or the management of your affairs, one of the Hebrews word one of the Hebrew words for repent means to turn. It's a military term that says to turn the other direction. The prodigal son says, I will arise, and then he rose and went and did what he was bid. He not only thought his ways and felt sorry because of them, but he turned his steps in a different direction and headed towards home. So in a real sense, repentance is a crisis that requires a change of experience and views. Only when a heart is broken from sin can real change come. I'm running out of time here. The results of repentance are such as this. Found in Hosea 6 and 1 through 3, one thing that repentance brings, it brings a healing and a binding. It says he will heal, us. He will heal and he will bind us up. Our, our diseased hearts and torn hopes will be healed and bound up. Our healed, we are healed of all our diseases and he binds up the brokenness in our hearts and he gives us a new heart. They that repent deeply are deeply forgiven and have a joy of spiritual life and health and holiness. There is also the blessing of a quickening, for He will revive us. There is that reviving. I can't tell you the number of times when, when you feel like that through all your, your struggles, <clears throat> through all your, 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 your times of tribulation, You, you, you have times where you can't make your ends meet. You, you have times when, when it seems like nobody cares, the, that you're walking a, a lonely road. You have times in your life when, when the burden of, of life has, has, has become so great. But when we, when we give our lives to Christ... He, he is able to strengthen us to a point where God is able to, 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 to get us through the struggles. He never said He'd take us out of those struggles. But He said He'd be with us in them. He would take us through them, and He would see us through the other side. Another blessing of serving God with a repentant heart is that you get to live in the light of God. We live in His light, according to verse 2. The man of the world may be alive in the light of his fellow countrymen or his fellow people. But it's a very different thing to be really living alive in the light of God. Not merely living under his eye as all are, but to have a life that is a life indeed in God's reckoning. It is, it is, a, it is a living in the light. I, I'm so grateful that, it, that I, I, can, I can come and, and spend time with my brothers, spend time with my sisters, and, and, and not feel the, the, the condemnation that comes with some people around in the world. I, I, I'm thankful for the, for the times that I can come and, and I, can, I can laugh, a, a healthy laugh, uh, because the joke that was told was, 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 was clean and, and, and sometimes corny. You know, I, I'm, I'm thankful for, the, for, for, the, for the, the, the quickening of God's Spirit that... That, that at the time that I need it, God is there. Living in the light. Living in the light of God's love. Living in the light of God's blessings. I, I was talking to a, a, a brother just recently about something that happened to my brother up in Illinois. And um, he, uh, he thought he'd had some, uh, a part of his roof replaced on his house. And... Um, he, uh, he went to, to get up there. He called a contractor. The contractor was up there, and he says, you, you need to call your insurance adjuster. He said, you got hail damage. So the insurance adjuster gets up there, and he says, yeah, sure enough, you got hail damage. And, and he was only going to replace one section of the roof. And, and because of that hail damage, they're going to replace the whole roof. And, and insurance is going to take care of it. So I was telling a, a brother this, and, and, and who's in the church, and, and at that time he was also... Uh, looking at the issue of, of replacing his roof. Well, he got up there and, 
had somebody get up there and they said, hey, you, you better call your insurance adjuster. And now that brother is getting a free roof. Anybody need a ladder? <laughs> yeah. Here's the point. It's not that, you know, we're trying to take advantage of the insurance companies. But sometimes when, when, when everything else is, is waged against you and, and it seems like all these things are, are, are too heavy to bear, the blessings of God, living in God's love, living in God's light, sometimes it doesn't come in dollar values. God, God provides the things that, that go beyond dollars. God provides so much comfort, so much peace. I, I can't tell you, and some of you know, especially some of the older saints, know that in, in every struggle, in every trial we, we, we go through, that the peace of God, the trial didn't go away, but God's presence, God's, God's love, God's wrapped His arms around you because you know by faith, God's bringing you through it. And it gives you a peace of heart and a peace of mind that know, hey, even, even if my car is totally wrecked, you're safe. <laughs> even if your car is totally wrecked, God's, God's still there. God's going to get us through. That's living in the light of God's love. It's a growing experience. It's a, it's a time of sharing. It's a, it's a time where God can, can refresh us in every situation. I, I'm not trying to, to, to say that you won't have struggles. You will. But when you're in the presence of God, He teaches us that daily He's going to give us what you need. He's not, he's, he's not going to give you a bunch for, 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 for a week down the road, but daily He's going to provide your bread. Daily, He's going to provide your sustenance. He daily, He's going to come to you and say, I'm here. Every day we live, every day we walk, we need that fresh touch. Yesterday's gone, and tomorrow is yet to come. But today, I need you, Lord. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that is acceptable unto God. Today is the day that we call upon His name. And He's there to meet us. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let's stand. Wilbur Chapman tells a story about his daughter as a young girl who had run away from home, who was living a life of sin, and her mother wanted a friend to find her daughter. This friend took a number of photographs of their, uh, of their mother and wrote beneath these the, the face of these words come back then he took those pictures down into the the places where she would hang out and into the the uh, mission stations and and left them there and it wasn't long after this that the daughter was going into a place where she shouldn't have and there was a, a face of her mama standing or sitting on, against the wall taped to a wall and as she looked at that picture the, the tears ran down her face so that she could not see the words beneath them. But as she brushed those tears away, she looked, and there was those words, come back to me. She went to her old home, and when she put her hand upon the door latch, the door opened, and there, there was her mama, and she had her arms open. She said, my dear child, the door has always been open. It has never been fastened since the day you went away. You see, God's door is always open. God's door is always there. All He wants us to do is knock. All He wants us to do is open that door and step through it. All we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. That cross, that old rugged cross, it still saves today. That old rugged cross, as iconic as it is, is still able to change a life. We must not forget 
that they are not just buzzwords, they are not just easy words said, they are not just words that we say because everybody else says them, they are not just words that we use lightly. We, not, we must not become complacent about this gospel message. For there's a generation that's coming and it's going to be the last generation. And who will reach out to them? We say it can't happen. But I'm reminded of the scriptures that after the death of Joshua, the scripture says that there was a generation who knew not the Lord. It can happen. It's happening in America. It's happening in so many other countries. We are the last, if I can use these words, bastion, where the gospel message is still freely preached. But those days are coming to a close. I'm not being morose, but if you pay attention to today's society, you will notice that more and more of your rights and abilities to, to tell about this, this gospel message is being eroded. I love you. Thank you for your patience. We must never forget who our Jesus is and what He's done for us. I thank you so much. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that, Lord, that you reached out to us in the moments of our sin. Lord, you, were, you, you hated our sin, but you had enough love for us that you loved our soul. Scripture says, Lord, that you wish that no man would perish, but that you call all men unto a place of repentance. And, Lord, I don't know who's here. I don't know who needs you. But I know that you're here and that, God, that whoever does need you can find you. I'm glad that, God, that you are not austere, but that you are a loving God and that you are close as the mention of your name. That, God, that you are here, that when a man or a woman calls upon you and repents, the Scripture says that all of heaven rejoice. Lord, I thank you for the ability to be able to, to, to say I'm sorry. I'm thankful for the ability to, to cry out to you, that you, you, you gave me grace when, when I didn't deserve that grace. Just as you give many who are here today, today that, who need you in some form or fashion, show them grace, Lord. There's, there are many needs here today, Lord, and I pray that you would answer their heart's cry. I pray that as they go from this place today, Lord, that, they would, that you would be great upon their hearts and upon their minds and that, that something today, Lord, will make a difference for somebody. I ask your blessings and your touch in the name of Jesus. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.